This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. CR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, you missed one heck of a segment about Beyonce, formation, blackness, anti-blackness, the Black Panther Party, and white tears. And if you're wondering who I had this conversation with, it was with Selena Mother Lovin' Hill, Alyssa Cat Daddy Fuchs, and Jackie Queen's Astoria Cohen Ooh. with the flannel scarf that don't look too good, just like her face. And I am Stanley Fritz <sighs> Young, handsome, black, Big nose, Negro, hot sauce in my book bag, Hennessy in my pocket. And we are talking the news <laughs> roundup. And in this one, it's a special one because we are only focusing on the biggest news story to hit so far this year. If you guys have not heard, Justice Anton- Antoine Scalia. Antonin. Antonin, sorry. Antonin Scalia passed away yesterday. They found him dead in his ranch. What does this mean? It means that somebody who was 79 years old and has had a long history in the criminal justice and legal system passed away. Many people would call him a titan in his industry. Many people really appreciated him because of the way that he fought for Fourth Amendment rights and to make sure that people's rights were protected from the police. Other people would call him a blithering racist and a homophobe and someone who thought that slaves had dignity, but that would be Clarence Thomas, his slave. Wrong wrong justice. I'm not going to I'm not going to bash the dead, guys. I'm not going to bash the dead. But less than three minutes after we had found out that he was dead, conservatives were already saying that they would not allow Barack Obama to appoint a new Supreme Supreme Court justice. His body is not cold yet, and there there have already been hundreds of think pieces about how much of a horrible human being he was or who's going to replace him. And now we're going to pile on to that conversation. So let me me start off by saying this is actually uh, what is known as a constitutional crisis. Um, And the reason why it's known as a constitutional crisis is for two reasons. One, uh, you now have a vacancy on the court because it's... uh, this is very rare that a justice or in these this day and age, it's very rare that a justice dies on the court, uh, in, especially during the term while cases are pending. So you have a, a dual edged constitutional crisis going on right now. On one hand, you have the fact that now the president, who is not expecting to appoint somebody else to the Supreme Court, um, has to figure out who he can nominate and somebody who, you know, in theory, the Senate is going to approve of. Uh, just for so a little bit of background, uh, it the longest it's ever taken to uh, from nomination to appointment. And the reason why I say nomination to appointment is because the appointment process is twofold. It includes the nomination and then the Senate voting. Um, and once the Senate gives the thumbs up, then it becomes from an, a nomination to an appointment. So I don't want to confuse those words. The longest that has ever taken is about 105 days. The president has... A little over 300 days left in his term. So there's no reason why he, you know, he he was elected to a seven, an eight year term, not a seven year term. Uh, As you point out, Republicans are already saying they're going to block it that because, you know, the new people should be able to appoint. Uh, pick who they want appointed based on the next election, which makes absolutely no sense. But then it also throws a constitutional crisis about what's going on with these cases that are pending. And I know Selena wants to make a comment, and then we can come back to that last thing that I just mentioned about what happens to the pending cases. Right. I wanted to make a comment because you're seeing a lot of Republican backlash and a lot of them calling for the next president to nominate a, a, a new justice in 2017. And I think it all boils down to the fact that they don't want to have to vote or approve a justice that President Obama would nominate because it would hurt their chances of being elected in the 2016 election. So I think they're giving a lot of pushback just to save face. 
Right. I think you're missing a big por- big point of why they don't want to appoint anyone Obama nominates. More than likely, the person that President Obama nominates would be a moderate or a progressive, which means the big cases that are coming up, the biggest one which Skelly is going to miss about abortion, about voting rights, possibly about Obamacare in the future because Republicans are not quitting, would be decided would would be be decided on by someone who was appointed by Obama, which lessens the likelihood of them winning. Not necessarily. That depends on when the appointment right. happens and whether they would rebrief some of these cases that are that Scalia heard. So this really, I think, matters more for what happens in the next term than this term. Although you're right, assuming that they could get an appointment through quick, maybe there'd be another justice on the Supreme Court to hear the rest of the cases in this term and to decide the cases that have already been heard, but not necessarily. Um, I also I also think ultimately, like it doesn't he wouldn't do this. He wouldn't nominate a conservative to sit on the Supreme Court, but he might as well because it's not getting through. There's the Senate won't work with him no matter what. But I do think that there will we because of the election cycle, because of the political climate, I am not very hopeful for any any candidate that he nominates. I just wanted to quickly read you the statement or a brief portion of the statement that the president actually made. He said, quote, I plan to fulfill my constitutional responsibilities to nominate a successor in due time. There will be plenty of time for me to do so and for the Senate to fulfill its responsibility to give that person a fair hearing and a timely vote. These are responsibilities that I take seriously, as should everyone. They're bigger than any one party. They are about our democracy. They are about the institution to which Justice Scalia dedicated his professional life and making sure it continues to function as the beacon of justice that our founders envisioned. And he's right. This is bigger than party. This is about democracy. Mm-hmm. Our Constitution lays out a process for how things are supposed to go in these situations. It says that the sitting president gets to nominate somebody to the Supreme Court, that the Senate, yes, must confirm this person on advice and consent. It doesn't say the Senate has to confirm just any person. But right. it also doesn't mean that the S- Senate can abdicate their constitutional duty for the next 300 days until the next election. And furthermore, if they do do that, it's probably going to backfire in their faces. Uh, There's a bunch of articles about that that are floating around right now. There's one in the Washington Post. If you're interested in it, I'll direct you to go read it yourself. I'm not going to paraphrase it here. You are smart people. You can read an article and you should. Um, But, you know, that's going to blow up in their faces. It doesn't, like I said, it doesn't mean that they have to approve just anybody, but they can't not do anything for 300 days. They have a constitutional responsibility under our constitution. That is the supreme law of the land. They want to constantly bloviate about the constitution this and the constitution that and the constitution this. Well, here you go. You have a constitutional responsibility. So guess what? Fulfill it. You're absolutely right, Alyssa. And I think it would be extremely irresponsible if the Senate did not would, would somehow try to obstruct this process from taking place. It's it's what's supposed to happen. It's what they signed up to do. It's, mm-hmm. it's their job. Um, I wanted to um, I wanted to see if we can talk a little bit about uh, Scalia's legacy, what he was, what he stood for, why he was such an important voice when it came to conservatives. He was an, a constitutional originalist, a champion racist. A cha- but before that, and I, I wanted to get, um, um, you know, I wanted to ask Alyssa if she could sort of define, like, what does that mean? Because from my understanding, he tra- like his interpretation of the Constitution was so traditional and so literal, malarkey. That's what yeah. I'll say to that. I actually, in my last year of law school, well, one, I should start by saying what I told Stanley earlier. Um, as a criminal defense attorney, uh, that's one of the things I do. I also do civil rights law. Uh, but Scalia was 
really good when it came to the Fourth Amendment and criminal and protections for people. Even though he talked about these people being alleged criminals, people that were unsavory, people that he wouldn't necessarily like, uh, he was very, very strict when it came to interpreting the Fourth Amendment and very well liked, at least on that issue, by the criminal defense bar um, and very protective of the rights of people who are accused of crimes. And in that sense, um, you know, he was, uh, I would agree with him. That on on another hand, I disagree with him on pretty much yeah. everything else. So, uh, you know, if that takes up 5% of his jurisprudence and 95% of his jurisprudence is everything else, I would disagree with 95%. I will say um, he was very well written as a jurist, as a law student. It was very interesting to read his dissents. They were very colorful. Yeah. Even if I disagree with them, they would always make me think and scratch my head um, and assess the questions that he put forth. So I will give him that. At the same time, with respect to his consistency, I, I say malarkey. I started off with that. In my last year of law school, I actually wrote a paper about um, his Commerce Clause jurisprudence and about how, you know, he would always say, I'm an originalist, I'm, an, I'm a textualist, this, this, this. But in reality, when it came down to it, um, there's several case law, and I'm not going to get into very nitty gritty legal stuff with you now. Suffice to say, if you're interested, we can post a link to that paper. You can go read it. Um, on many issues, he deviated from his originalist leanings uh, and, you know, and and found something else. I mean, like one of those cases would be the medical marijuana case out of California, Mm -hmm. uh, where he found that marijuana that was solely grown in California, which did not in which is a legal term, touch and concern any interstate commerce, nonetheless could be regulated by Congress because of the fact that it was a fungible good and might be able to enter the stream of commerce. Um, you know, on the other hand, he, you know, he, he said things that were just completely outrageous uh, and, and didn't square with some of his prior positions. Um, you know, that being said, I, I think that, you know, he would roll over in his grave to know that the, the Senate would block his his seat by not fulfilling their constitutional sure. duty. But on the other hand, he resisted, you know, many times, just like Justice Ginsburg, he was asked whether he would resign or step down. And he said, no, I won't. Not as long as a Democrat is president, because I think he was hoping to step down when a Republican became president. Right. So a conservative could fill his seat. So in that sense, this is poetic justice. Wow. Hopefully that won't like, happen. Um, I, I wanted to mention uh, something that tweet. I think, Stanley, you sent it to us last night of Dr. Stacy Patton. She tweeted, and Scalia died during Black History Month, the ancestors at work. Now, I think that it was very inappropriate to celebrate someone's death and to say that, okay, like to even to make like a joke like that. I don't know. I thought I was a little taken I mean, back. I don't I was think taken you should back. celebrate anybody's death, but you're talking about the guy who suggested that black people don't do as well because they go to schools that are too good for them or something. I don't know. You know what line I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I remember that. Like, really? That's yeah. kind of a smack in the face. Yeah, Justice Scalia doesn't have many friends in the black community outside of Clarence Thomas and Uncle Ruckus. And, 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 that's, and that's totally fine. And he... He isn't someone who I'll say this. He, he won't be missed by me, but no matter no matter who it is, a life is important. And when a life ends, that that kind of finality, you don't make fun of that. 
you, you just it's, it's it's just in poor taste, especially when the body isn't even cold yet. Because no matter how I feel about him, and I feel very little that is good about him, there is someone out there who loves him and who thinks that his life mattered, and who him him leaving is going to impact him in a negative way. There are a lot of liberal, yeah. very liberal lawyers that are still very distraught over the loss of a justice for the and reasons also that his I family right, and well, of course his family <laughs> that goes without saying. I mean, but I'm talking about a lot of lawyers have come out just like I have and said, listen, I disagreed with 95% of his jurisprudence, but, you know, I still respect him as a judge, as a justice. I mean, you know, lots of people on both sides of the aisle have come out and said that. I think the most important thing about all of this is the November election. If Mm -hmm. this does not tell you that you need to go out and vote for the Democrat, no matter who that is, and I say that as somebody who personally really likes Bernie Sanders, and I don't want to get into a whole debate about Bernie versus Hillary or this, that, and the third, and, you know, these people who are saying, oh, well, I'm going to write in a candidate. But if this doesn't show you how important it is for you to come out and vote for the Democrat in the next election, no matter who it is, for two reasons. One, if they don't block the nominee, you know, then, yeah, I mean, the next person is still going to possibly get to appoint two Supreme Court justices. And if they do block the nominee until the next election because they think that the Republicans are going to win the next election and be able to put a conservative on, Democrats and people who are left of center need to do everything in their power to make sure that a Democrat is in that White House come, well, November, really January when it gets installed to make sure that no matter what happens, that even if the Senate does block the nominee, that the next president, at least for the next four years, is a Democrat. Because guess what? Maybe they can block a nominee for the next 300 days, but they can't block a nominee for the next four years and leave a vacancy on the court. Um, anybody want to chime in on that before I get into what happens with these 4-4 decisions or possible 4-4 decisions? Well, yeah, I mean, President Obama is saying that he's going to appoint somebody, and people are saying that the Republican Party cannot block him for a full year. I think they can, and I think they absolutely will. The question that I have for us is, like, are we like how do how do we respond now, knowing that you have a party that is dedicated on not letting the president do his job? Well, we that always news? knew that. Yeah, that's nothing new. No, but there's nothing like like we talk about things like the debt limit and like appointing a, a Supreme Court justice, which is like par for the course in relation to what you have to do for your job. These are these are, this is like beyond egregious. Yeah, sure. Well, but well, it doesn't mean that it's uh, it's unbelievable. I fully expected this to happen. Right? It's it's egregious. Sure. I mean, I think we're all in agreement with that. But this is. To be expected, absolutely. I think it's to be expected, but I also think, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's going to, if they do this, it's not going to work out well for them, Uh, you know, because either A, they're going to lose the election in November, and then they're going to be like, oh, wow, now either Hillary or Bernie gets to make an appointment. Mm -hmm. We should have let Obama do it. So that, or, or... The, the people who are already mad, who already have voted Congress as being less popular than head lice. I swear that's true. Um, you know, people would rather have head lice than, than Congress. Um, but, you know, that is going and, and the American people who already see Congress as being broken. And you have literally Trump running on the idea that Washington is broken. And now you're going to have all these people looking. And, yes, there's going to be some people on the right that are happy and they're going to go. This is great. This is exactly what Republicans should do. Just like they were happy when they Ted Cruz shut down the government. But most people who have some common sense are going to go, wait, we can't have a Supreme Court that's missing somebody. And 
And furthermore, the longer the court remains 4-4, actually the better it is, potentially is for liberals because of some of the cases. And I think that's a good segue in for me to talk about that. Um, Now, I can only talk about some of the cases that are pending, but let me tell you what happens when there's a 4-4 decision. Um, When there's a 4-4 decision on any given issue, it means that the lower court decision, the, the court that decided the case before it got to the Supreme Court, that decision stands. And right now, with the currently pending cases, um, that would have a negative impact on basically two cases that that liberals, quote unquote liberals or people on the left really care about. But it would have a positive impact on about four cases that liberals really care about. In fact, um, so like here's an example, right? Um, uh, I'm going to just pick one, right? Um, She's picking what one. about well, you'll pick one? Jump in while I pick one over here. Same sex marriage? Oh, no. Same sex marriage. Let me sign. That's, that's been but decided. There's, um, there's a big abortion case that's coming up right now. Right. And now, if it's going to be a 4 4, it will go back to the circuit court. If the circuit court said that like abortion should be legal, then that's it. Right. So, okay, that's that's a negative example. I was going to do that second. So, let me talk about Evantel versus Abbott. I actually did a quickie on this. This is the one person, one vote case. Well, the lower court held, the U.S. District Court for Western District of Texas held that everyone should be counted. Everybody should be counted is a ruling that helps liberals. So if the Senate blocks somebody, fr- blocks an appointment, and the Supreme Court decides this case 4-4, it's going to mean that that lower court that counts everybody gets upheld. That's a win for liberals. On the other hand of that, as Stanley just pointed out, is Whole Woman's House versus Cole. The last court to decide that was the Fifth Circuit, and they upheld the Texas law that closed about half of st- the state's abortion clinics since 2013. If there was a 4-4 decision on that then it would divert back to the Fifth Circuit ruling, and that would actually be bad for liberals. But when you look at these cases, the ones that are still pending, as I said, I think it's about two that hope that a 4-4 decision would be bad for liberals, liberals and about five that a 4-4 decision would be good for them. So it would behoove the Senate to get another person onto that court, right. which, you know, even if... Think about this, right? Anthony Kennedy was was nominated in 1987. He was actually appointed in 1988 during an election year. Uh, So forget that malarkey that the right keeps saying about you can't do this because it's an election year. That's absolutely not true. Um, But Anthony Kennedy was was appointed to be a conservative by Reagan, and he turned out to be fairly liberal. I'm not saying that's fairly. Moderate. Okay, fine, but fairly. I mean, he's the vote that that he's the essential vote in the in the same sex marriage right. case and in Lawrence v. Texas. So, which is something I don't think Kennedy could. I'm sorry, Reagan could have ever imagined when he appointed him. Okay. Reagan's probably rolling over in his grave about that. To be perfectly fair, sure. The fact is, we don't know the, the any way that this could go. But I just see. I just the one thing that I do see is that if they do not act, it is not going to work out well from them, from both a legal perspective and from a political perspective. No, no, that that's absolutely true, Alyssa. Was. There anything? Okay, so we're, we're going to have to close there. Again, we'll continue to watch the Supreme Court, what happens next. Uh, for now, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about this staggering national heroin epidemic going on in our country right now. Don't go anywhere. No. 